Amen. Well, I invite you to join me, if you would, in your Bibles in Mark chapter 6. We're going to be looking this morning at verses 1 through 6. Mark 6, verses 1 through 6. We've spent a few weeks in the Gospel of Mark now, and as we've caught up with Jesus in the beginning of his public ministry, it has been filled with miracles. The calming of a storm, the casting out of a legion of demons from a man, the healing of the woman who had that blood disorder, and actually conquering death itself as Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. And these powerful deeds have brought Jesus great popularity among the masses, But what would happen when Jesus returned home? We'll find out today in Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. Please pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanks for our chance to be gathered together today in worship. We acknowledge your presence here among us. We are so thankful for your invitation to come before you and worship you. We're thankful as well for the gift of Scripture. And it's my prayer that in these next few minutes, as we gaze into this passage, you would give every one of us eyes to see just what you want us to see. Give us hearts that are soft and ready to receive whatever you choose to reveal. And give us conviction that's strong so we can apply what we see and understand to the way we live every day. I pray all of these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. So in these short verses, we find Jesus and his disciples returning to his hometown, to Nazareth. Nazareth was about 25 miles south of where Jesus had begun to do his public ministry. It was a small, obscure town. And we have evidence in Scripture that it was scorned by some. In fact, Nathaniel, right when he was called to follow after Jesus, said, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Yet that was Jesus' hometown. And we're told right off the bat, Jesus began teaching in his hometown. It was the Sabbath. They were in the synagogue. And it was a customary practice for traveling rabbis to do just that to visit the synagogue on the Sabbath and share their wisdom. Mark tells us that many who heard Jesus' teaching there were amazed. This had become the customary response. Whenever Jesus began teaching about the kingdom of God, people were amazed at what he had to say. People were asking questions about the wisdom of Jesus' teaching and about the remarkable miracles he was performing among them. The ministry in Nazareth was off to a great start right up until it wasn't. They say familiarity breeds contempt, and it seems that's exactly what happened here. Their amazement faded, their suspicions arose, and it was all because they finally realized 
who Jesus was. When you read Mark's description of this, it turns itself around mid-verse, doesn't it? They're, they're reveling at his wisdom and at the miracles he's performing, and then the moment they recognize who Jesus is, there's this sense of contempt that climbs in. Isn't this the carpenter, Mary's son? Brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon are his sisters right here with us. It didn't take long for their suspicions and their speculation to turn dark. And we're told in verse 3, they took offense at Jesus. Scandalizo is the Greek word there. It can be translated scandalized, shocked, angered, offended. Why did they take offense at Jesus? Had his teaching changed? No. Had the miracles stopped? Not yet. They took offense at Jesus because he was too ordinary. He was from Nazareth, their own hometown. He was a carpenter, a blue-collar worker, who up until recently spent his days in a workshop making tables and chairs. His pedigree was no different than theirs. His no royal or regal blood. You get the sense that they're asking, why is Jesus pretending to be someone special? Why is he pretending to have power? Despite the wisdom of his teaching, despite the power of his miracles, Jesus has become, to them, too human. I think we sometimes experience the same as believers. Maybe not with Jesus, but maybe with some of the trappings of this Christian life that each one of us leads. Maybe for us, it's the scriptures themselves that have become too ordinary at times. We always have them. There are Bibles everywhere. We carry them around on our apps and our phone. Have we begun to see the scriptures as too ordinary? Or maybe it's something beautiful like this facility that God has gifted us with. Has it become too commonplace? Have we begun to take it for granted because we get tired of the leaks when the rains come? Or maybe it's the fellowship that we have right here in this space. Our brothers and sisters in Christ around us, have we become tired of the ordinariness of that experience? Maybe it's even the mission that we've been called to by God. Have we lost that sense of excitement at the way in which God has given us authority and sent us out into the world? Have things become too ordinary, to the point where we miss the power of God. We miss the power of the invitation to join God in the work that he's doing in this world. I, I think it's a risk for us at times because we have so many blessings, but we come too, custom, too accustomed to them and take them for granted at times. For the people in Nazareth, it wasn't about all of these trappings. It was about Jesus himself. And somehow, even with the power of his teaching and the power of his miracles among them, not only just the testimony of those things, but witnessing those things themselves, somehow the ordinariness of Jesus overrode everything they'd experienced. And they didn't find a place for him and his power to work among them because of it. Jesus was not worthy enough by their standards, and so we're told they reject him. Now, Jesus responds in verses 4 and 5 by citing a proverb. He says, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his own relatives, in his own home. Now, it translates into English as a double negative. We could turn it around and just say, There is no honor for a prophet in his own town, 
among his own relatives in his own home. Meaning there was plenty of honor for Jesus in other places. The places he'd just come from where he was performing his miracles and teaching. And people were amazed and they stayed amazed at what Jesus had done because of his power. And yet coming home, that power dissipated among his own people. And I think there are a couple things we're supposed to see in this passage in the way that Mark tells these stories. First of all, I think there's a tremendous contrast between the faith of Jairus and the woman with the disease from last week's stories and the response that Jesus receives in his own hometown. A tremendous contrast. And Mark does this on purpose. He puts these stories together so that we can see the difference between the way these people are responding to Jesus and his power. We also see here a foreshadowing of Jesus' own death. In that case, the town that he's in will be the city of Jerusalem. The relatives he'll be among will be the Jewish pilgrims. The home he'll be in is the temple in the center of the city. Jesus calls himself a prophet, and he will suffer the fate of a prophet, though in so doing he will accomplish so much more as he hangs on the cross and as he conquers death in his resurrection. I think Mark wants us to see in these verses the relationship between faith and miracles. He says the most interesting thing in verse 6. He says, Jesus could not do any miracles there. Fascinating, right? Could not do any miracles there. Not chose not to do any miracles or refrained from doing any miracles, but could not do any miracles. And it had to do with the absence of faith. Makes you wonder how much more Jesus would do if the people did have faith in his hometown, what else would that ministry include? What other power would pass through him? And I have to be honest with you, as I thought about this this week, it made me wonder about here. This hometown, this faith community, and the kind of faith that we have in who Jesus is and the ways that Jesus moves in the world today. What kinds of miracles can Jesus do here? Or what kinds of miracles is Jesus unable to do here because of a lack of faith? Mark tells us that it was Jesus' turn to be amazed at this point, and I love the way he does it. Everywhere Jesus goes, he amazes people with his teaching and with his power, but this time we're told that Jesus was amazed. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Those who should have been the most responsive were the most resistant, and because of that, it was time for Jesus and his disciples to move on and spread the blessing of that power and that teaching to other places. What about us? What about our faith? What about our trust? We're going to walk out of here today with an annual report that celebrates all Jesus did among us in 2023, but we're in 2024 now, and we're looking into the future, and we're wondering what God will choose to do among us. But I think just like the town of Nazareth, we as a faith community have a choice to make. Whether or not we're going to trust, whether or not we're going to believe, whether or not the trappings of our faith and Jesus himself have become too ordinary to us, or whether or not he still quickens our pulse, whether or not we still expect him to move among us, whether or not we still can see that he's going to use our faith community to change the surrounding community and the people around us. There is power in what God is busy doing in the world today. 
And it changed shape and it changed form through COVID. I know it. Everything has changed. And yet God is faithful. God is powerful. And I don't believe that God is done with us as a community. And the things he wants us to do as we worship, as we grow in our faith, and as we head out in mission and serving people in Jesus' name. A prophet is not without honor except in his own town among his own relatives, in his own home. But when the Lord Jesus steps onto our campus, I believe he is honored. I believe we do trust in him. And I believe that we as a community can open ourselves to new movements of his power. May we honor Jesus in all that we do as a community. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge your presence here with us. And we want you to be amazed when you look at this community, but not for the same reason you were amazed at Nazareth. We desire to have trust and belief and faith in who you are and what you can do. And where we lack, we ask for your help that you might strengthen our trust. Help us collectively as a community to remember all of the ways you've been faithful in the past. As we gaze into a future that is uncertain, we know that you are there waiting for us. We know that you journey with us each step of the way. And God, even now in the midst of our worship, we know that you have big dreams for who we will be and what we will do in this brand new year as a congregation. Help us, Jesus. Help us to believe. Help us to trust. Keep us in a constant state of amazement at the power of your teaching, at the power of your miracles, that we might not only experience those, but that we might be used by you to invite others into the same. We pray all of these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen.